the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we are underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday. It is the 25th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. We're going we're gonna, to uh, give this a go today. Uh, I will do my level best to get you through two hours of analysis and uh, uh, information about what is going on on Capitol Hill and what is going on on Main Street, because they are, t- of course, very closely interconnected, intertwined, if you will. And uh, we're going to do the best we can. Uh, yesterday, of course, we had a best of show. Uh, still fighting through it. And uh, if the voice sounds a little bit off today, my apologies for that. I will do my best not to have dead air more than two seconds for coughing spasms that just seem to come with uh, this bronchial thing. At any rate, thank you for uh, being with us. Um, we do have uh, a very important show to uh, discuss with one another today. And I would like you to be a part of it. Understand, when I have uh, shows like this where illness is an issue, the more you talk, the less I have to, the better it is for everybody. So uh, fill them up, 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers gets you right here uh, to the program. And again, while I would prefer you call so that uh, I can give my voice a little bit of a break, I will, of course, accept your messages by way of Twitter, Facebook, and Parler. Social media, find me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, and no underscores. We uh, had some breaking news uh, late last night. Finally, the day that so many of us have been waiting for. Finally, we are getting to investigate the investigators in a manner that is uh, supported by law. William Barr. The Attorney General in charge of the Justice Department is now pressing forward and said that Federal Prosecutor John Durham is now working on a criminal investigation in terms of trying to find out how and why our intelligence agencies uh, 
became weaponized against President Donald Trump back when he was candidate Donald Trump, looking into all things uh, FISA abuse to enable to to uh, enable the FISA court to issue a warrant to spy on uh, private American citizens who are working on a political campaign. We've all been wondering. We've all been waiting. We've all been saying, when are Strzok and, and Page and Comey and McCabe and maybe Clapper and maybe Brennan, when are they all going to be held accountable for their illegal activities in starting this um, witch hunt? And that's just, you know, the simplest way to say it. I know a lot of people don't like the terminology. They think it's a little bit too mean-spirited or whatever. But uh, this ridiculous investigation uh, of Donald Trump that was done for political reasons, and it was done before he even became president with the goal of stopping him from becoming president, and if that doesn't work, then to get rid of him and stop him from serving his term as president. So finally, that's what we have. The New York Times first broke this yesterday for what that's worth. What began as an administrative review of the origins of the Trump-Russia investigation is now a full-blown criminal investigation. The shift from administrative to criminal investigation opens up several new investigative techniques for John Durham, the U.S. attorney from Connecticut who is leading this. Again, reported the New York Times, citing two sources familiar with the matter. Durham now, if this is indeed a criminal investigation which we've all been begging for. It's amazing how long this stuff takes to work. It's Washington. He would now be able to subpoena witnesses. Durham would now be able to present evidence to a grand jury and, yes, to file criminal charges. Attorney General William Barr tapped Durham earlier in this year, I think it was around April, to lead an inquiry into the FBI and CIA intelligence gathering activities related to the campaign for President Trump. Barr said on April 10th that he believes spying occurred against the Trump campaign. He said he does not accept former FBI officials' explanations about the beginning of the collusion investigation. Now, little is known about Durham's activities so far in this investigation. They have kept this very close to the chest, very quiet. The Times report said it is unclear when the investigation took on its criminal element from administrative element, or what specific crime Durham is investigating. We do know that John Durham accompanied uh, Bill Barr to Italy. Uh, This is in late September, so about a month ago, as part of an inquiry into U.S. intelligence agents' activities there during the 2016 campaign. They also inquired about Joseph uh, Mifsud, who is a mysterious Maltese professor. That's how he's being described who established contact with Trump aide George Papadopoulos in 2016. Barr has also reached out to British and Australian authorities for helping the investigation. They're willing to go all over the world. If this is what was done, this international conspiracy against Donald Trump's candidacy, mind you, not his presidency, this isn't about the impeachment probe. This is about um, the Russia probe and the methods that the uh, intelligence agencies, particularly the FBI, but also, again, to the CIA, that they used in trying to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. Now, it should not be lost upon you, the irony, that the impeachment probe that is currently underway, well, 
unofficially, because Adam Schiff and the Democrats continue to be uh, very, very cloaked in their in their uh, workings. Obviously, we can talk about the um, mob. The, the left likes to call it a mob, and I almost did call it a mob. And I think it's okay. I mean, we're just talking about a big, large group of people. Uh, a large group of Republican legislators who barged into Adam Schiff's closed-door Capitol basement hearings uh, to try to find out what was going on because they are just keeping this very, very secretive, which is crazy, which is unprecedented uh, in matters of impeachment in American history. That's really important to know, going back to Nixon and those investigations and, of course, the actual impeachment of uh, Bill Clinton. But anyway... They went down there, and then Adam Schiff grabbed the witness that they were deposing and scurried away like cockroaches when you flip the lights on in the kitchen. They scurried underneath the refrigerator to hide, and that's exactly what they did. But at any rate, um, these investigations that are going on right now or this faux inquiry of President Trump, here's the irony, is supposedly about President Trump asking a foreign country for help in investigating a, um, a political opponent that's what this whole thing is all about, the call to the Ukrainian president, which, of course, we all know. And the irony here, of course, is that what they have to do now to investigate everything that was done to Donald Trump, the candidate, back in 2016, involves so many foreign countries, British sources, Australian sources, possibly and probably Ukrainian sources. They had to go to Italy. This is an intercontinental and international conspiracy uh, to stop Donald Trump that was uh, begun way back in 2016. NBC News has recently reported that John Durham intends to interview former CIA director John Brennan, who is a never-Trumper and one of the loudest and most shrill anti-Trump voices uh, working in media right now. He's a CNN contributor, shockingly and former National Intelligence Director James Clapper, who is no better, they are both going to be interviewed by John Durham in this criminal probe. Durham reportedly also wants to interview CIA analysts who uh, reviewed intelligence related to Russian interference in the 2016 election, according to the New York Times. This John Durham, Durham investigation is similar to the Justice Department Inspector General's investigation. That's Michael Horowitz, into the FBI surveillance of the Trump campaign, specifically campaign advisor Carter Page in 2016. Um, Michael Horowitz, that inspector general, told Congress yesterday that the report of that investigation, his report, is lengthy, and he anticipates most of it will be made public with very few redactions, and that is supposedly coming very soon. Horowitz has been investigating whether the FBI misled the Foreign Surveillance Court, FISA Court, in spy applications against Page. Investigators relied heavily on the Steele dossier. That's the dossier that Chuck Todd, um, who I will refrain from commenting on, he's, of course, Hugh Hewitt's regular guest on Thursdays, uh, Chuck Todd considers to be no big deal. He thinks the Steele dossier is a nothing burger, which is just kind of hilarious. But investigators relied on that in the applications, though information in that document was largely unverified because a lot of hooey. Unlike Durham, Horowitz, the inspector general, has not had subpoena power and cannot use a grand jury as part of his investigation. 
Finally, the Times article uh, also pointed out that the shift in the investigation from administrative to criminal is likely to generate criticism that Barr is working on behalf of President Trump to undercut the premise of the Russia probe. But the Times added that Durham is a highly respected prosecutor who has led interagency investigations, including into the CIA torture of war detainees. So that last part is key, and that last part is, of course, exactly right. The left is already on this. The left is particularly members of the uh, um, Democrat House, Democrat-led House, already accusing William Barr of politicizing the DOJ to use as a defense mechanism for Donald Trump. Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff issued a joint statement. The two biggest, i got to watch myself here, uh, in the United States Congress, Nadler and Schiff, the two dirtiest blankety-blanks in leadership positions in the Congress, issued a joint statement last night accusing Donald Trump of politicizing the DOJ and William Barr through a criminal investigation into the origins of the Russia probe. Nadler chairs the Judiciary Committee, who's going after Trump and has never not been going after Trump. And Schiff, who chairs the Intelligence Committee, who is going after Trump and for three years has said he's got proof of collusion with the Trump campaign and the Russians. And here we are three years later, Still, not one single shred of that proof has been presented. These two blankety-blanks issued a statement via Twitter. Quote, if the Department of Justice may be used as a tool of political retribution or to help the president with a political narrative for the next election, the rule of law will suffer new and irreparable damage. I find that hilarious. You want to talk about chutzpah. You want to talk about... Uh, you know, uh, hypocrisy. I can't think of too many other ways to say it. It would be the left accusing the Trump administration of using the DOJ for political retribution or being weaponized for political purposes. Do we really need to go into the Obama Department of Justice under Eric Holder? Do we really need to go back to the Obama Department of Justice under Attorney General Loretta Lynch? Do we have to go down this road? Because the DOJ had never before been so weaponized as it was during the Obama administration. All Bill Barr is doing is trying to restore some sanity to the department. Because the DOJ, which even after Donald Trump took over, and before he appointed Jeff Sessions, was working as a part of the deep state to try to stop Donald Trump. To try to stop Donald Trump from, from, from winning the election and then trying to carry out his responsibilities after winning the election. The DOJ has been weaponized terribly before Donald Trump took office. Bill Barr, a respected former AG coming back in to set the table right or to, to make things right, to, to essentially restore the, uh, the power of the DOJ as what it's supposed to be, and his job particularly as the top cop, the Attorney General of the United States, to what it was supposed to be by way of the Constitution. And we can talk more about that as we continue. It's 921. Uh, it's the Bob France Authority on a free-for-all Friday. Anything you want to talk about, dial us up, 216-901-0945, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. 
All right, 926 now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. It's just, um, I used the word irony before, and maybe it shouldn't be irony. It should be hypocrisy. Uh, it's just a chutzpah. Like I said, uh, the left is going crazy saying that the Department of Justice, led by Attorney General William Barr, is being weaponized, being politicized by Donald Trump to defend himself and to take the focus off of the impeachment inquiry. Now that John Durham has been given um, free reign to uh, turn the administrative review and investigation into what happened in the spying on Carter Page and the Trump campaign into a criminal investigation. Now he can call witnesses. Now he can impanel a grand jury, et cetera, et cetera. So they're saying he's weaponized the Department of Justice. I have in front of me uh, a really great article from Conservative Daily, and this was from uh, June of last year, June of 2018. How many ways was Obama's Justice Department weaponized? Exactly how was it done? Weaponized by Hillary Clinton, particularly for her own ends. Democrats have been psychopathically pointing incriminating fingers at a mirror. Liberal rule number one, always accuse your adversary of the crimes you yourself commit. And that's what they do, and that's what they're doing here by accusing Trump and Barr of of weaponizing or politicizing the DOJ. There are ten incidents where I could throw right now, again, from... uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, collected is what I was trying to say. Almost did collaborated, but collected by the uh, conservative Daily Post. Ten incidents submitted to the court of public opinion exposing the evidence that Hillary Clinton and her pawns at the FBI, which, of course, was part of what was trying to take down Donald Trump for her benefit uh, and their collusion with Russia. Here, here are just a few of them. CIA-connected Cambridge professor Stefan Halper was working undercover for the FBI when he called rookie staffer Carter Page. He weaseled Page and two other low-level advisors, George Papadopoulos. The stuff is all well-known, so I know I'm not breaking new ground here. Uh, And Sam Clovis into a meeting. That's how the Russian connection was forged. The FBI claims the collusion investigation didn't start until July, blaming something Papadopoulos said to an Australian diplomat in May as the event that pulled the trigger. But the facts don't back that story up. Maltese professor Joseph Mifsud, which is the one that so many people are pointing to as being the central figure in all of this, asserted he had close ties with Russia. He approached Papadopoulos with information that could be damaging to Hillary Clinton. Papadopoulos simply relayed that inf- uh, to the uh, uh, Australian what that professor told him. Page and Papadopoulos got charged by the FBI and wiretapped. Papadopoulos was charged by, with lying to investigators. He told the feds his calls at meetings with Mifsud happened before he was even on the Trump campaign. But here's the DOJ giving Hillary Clinton a free pass, but splitting hairs to charge Papadopoulos. These contacts started after he learned what would be, or excuse me, that he would be a foreign policy advisor for the campaign, but before the campaign made a public announcement. If that isn't using the DOJ to set somebody up politically, then nothing is. And then, of course, there's the Trump Tower meeting. The only thing actually improper, that's all I'll be able to do here before the bottom of the hour, um, improper about the Trump Tower meeting was Donald Jr. and Jared Kushner should have skipped it and waited for the summary. Listening to potential evidence about a campaign opponent who might be subject to blackmail is well well within the rules of politics, and ignoring it would be ethically wrong. But the real crime was committed by Glenn Simpson, a, the president of Fusion GPS. 
Simpson met with two attending Russians before the meeting, then again afterward to find out what was said. Simpson said those meetings were on a different subject, the, the repeal of the anti-Kremlin Magnitsky hack. That means Simpson was already taking money from the Kremlin. Again, this is the DOJ as run by Barack Obama, specifically at that time by Loretta Lynch. Then there's the Logan Act. Then there's Struck and Page. And again, I could just go on and on. The DOJ has not been about the J for for at least, well, you know, I would say for eight years and probably nine. The first year of the Trump presidency was marred by the DOJ that was still loyal to Obama. The J in DOJ has been missing. The J, of course, stands for justice. Bill Barr is the only one trying to restore the J in DOJ. And this is what is driving the left bananas. We'll pick it up there, and we've got a lot more for you coming up after the news as well. I'm 1420 The Answer. All right, 936. Onward, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I want to pivot now a little bit away from the political games going on in Washington. Uh, speaking of political games, we were supposed to have Congressman Jordan on to talk about the latest, <clears throat> excuse me, the latest um, in the investigations, the ridiculous um, uh, uh, inquiry, the Republican uh, storm, Republicans storming of the uh, deposition and the scurrying underneath the refrigerator like cockroaches that Adam Schiff and his quote-unquote witness did. Uh, we'll come back to that, uh, but I do want to pivot away from that for a moment. I'm going to talk about this unbelievably sad case in the state of Texas. Maybe you've been paying attention to it. Maybe you have not. But some very good news has developed. In the case of James Younger, James Younger is a seven-year-old boy in Texas who is being raised by his mother, and to a degree by his father, they are divorced, and... Um, has become embroiled in the middle of a, 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 an insane, sad, terrifying controversy. It has to do with transgenderism. It has to do with manipulation. It has to do, quite frankly, with child abuse. The story started out in the worst way possible. The mother of the child insists that the seven-year-old boy, James Younger, is transgender and says he wants to be a girl, and I'm going to let him be a girl. More specifically, it's not just about wearing the clothes and playing with the girl toys and those kinds of things. But she was going to start him as soon as he was able on chemicals, hormone blockers, some call chemical castration. In other words, permanent life-altering medical procedures slash drugs given to this seven-year-old to force the change into from male to female. Okay? That's what mom wanted to do. Dad fought like what you can only imagine with everything in his being to say this. You cannot take James, our boy, and try to make him a girl because he said he wants to be a girl. That now, First of all, right now we, sh- we have ourselves a problem because mom has custody. Dad only has visitation rights, as it almost always is in, in you know, cases of child custody and cases of divorce. So dad went to court to say, 
please do not allow my ex-wife to destroy our son by chemically helping to alter him into a sex that he or gender that he that he is not. You can't do this. So there was a trial. And a jury said, "Shut up, dad." And Georgiulis, the mother would have sole custody and power of medical decisions over the child and his twin brother Jude. That would allow the mother to continue the process of transitioning him from boy to girl, including hormone therapy, chemical castration. Now, those who saw this viral story are well aware of the parts of it that that make it, I mean, it's already... Terrifying to think that a mother would allow a child at age of se- at the age of seven to make his own decision to try to become a girl, but people who have been paying attention uh, to the story know that it's worse than that. The father has accused the mother of being behind the entire thing. That the boy doesn't want to be a girl, but that the boy doesn't want to displease his mother, who wants him to become a girl. James Younger, during one of his visitations with his son, videotaped the boy and wanted to get him on tape for the purposes of showing this to a judge that proves that the boy is a boy, a normal boy, who might have strange, you know, um, role-play fantasies, the way all young children do, and I'll explain that, that in a moment. But, um, but that, no, this isn't anything that he wants to do, but he, he wants to do what mommy wants him to do. Give this a listen. This is oh, you're a boy, right? No. I'm a girl. Who told you you were a girl? Mommy. <clears throat> when did she tell you you were a girl? Because I love girls. Oh, I see. So mommy told you you were a girl? Uh-huh. Um, any, does mommy um, do anything else like with a girl with you? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like chesses. What, what does she do? She do... It comes in on me. She puts dresses on you? Oh, wow. And what else does she do? She buys my headbands. Uh-huh. And, and, <clears throat> and she gets me hair clips. Oh, hair clips? Okay. Mm-hmm. What else? Some microphones. What else? Like a skeleton. Does she do anything with your fingers? Yeah. What? She paints my nails. So that why does she do that? Cause I love like nail polish. Oh, so mommy puts you in a dress and puts nail polish on you. Mm-hmm. And and what does mommy tell you? She tells me I'm a girl. Oh, okay. This is um. This is beyond abusive. Um. This is this is this is child torture. And the father in the situation, Jeffrey Younger, has had to endure this for far, far too long. He has been trying to stop his mother from dressing him in girls' clothes and forcing him into being something that she wants, but that the young boy is not, and that is a daughter. She wanted a daughter, got twin boys. She is hell-bent on making one of them the daughter she didn't get. James... At the center of this custody battle between um, James is the uh, is the uh, young boy, the seven year old, uh, between his father and his ex wife, 
The ex-wife, by the way, Dr. Ann Georgiulis, is a pediatrician who reportedly diagnosed herself, James, with gender dysphoria, a psychological disorder characterized by a child's persistent, consistent, and insistent assertion uh, of their cross-gender statements and behaviors. Now I'm going to stop there and say this. The, the part of this that is the most important is the word psychological. It is a psychological disorder. Now, some people are being banned from social media for, for claiming that tra- transgenders, adults or children, have psychological disorders. Some people are being banned from social media because that's hate speech to say someone has a psych disorder or mental issue. Yet that is exactly what this is. And at least the pediatrician mother calls it a psychological disorder, but rather than treating the psychological disorder, her move here is to change the physical, anatomical child, the anatomy of the child, the physiology of the child, rather than deal with any psychological disorder that might be going on here. And there's still a question about that as to whether or not um, this is the child's doing or it's the child responding to the mother's lead in order to make her happy. So a jury decided on Monday, this week, just four days ago, against the father's attempt to block the ex-wife's attempt to start the seven-year-old on puberty blockers and ultimately to continue with cross-sex hormones in order to facilitate gender transition. The good news that I told you about at the beginning of this segment is that um, there has been a development. The judge or a judge, rather, a federal judge in Texas, has intervened. And the judge has ruled against the jury. In fact, has overruled the jury in this case of seven-year-old James Younger. Yesterday, Judge Kim Cooks in Texas said that Dr. Georgiulis and the father, James Younger, would have a joint conservatorship over the boy. The father of the boy now gets a say in any medical treatment that he receives. It's not a win. It's not a, hey, no, you can't do this, but it's you cannot block the father out of the decision-making process. Judge Cooks also instituted a gag rule, though, which means that the father's blog about this case will be taken down. That's a problem because it's the only way that public pressure, which has mounted, this is this has gone viral all over the internet and all over news stories because of the blog as he ta- as he detailed um, the horrific attempt to abuse this child and to force him, torture him essentially from uh, being a seven year old boy into a being a seven year old girl, and that's why it got so much attention, and I believe that's why the judge actually acted on this. But now the blog has to be taken down. This comes, by the way, the judge's decision after the intervention of the Texas governor, Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott tweeted uh, on Wednesday, FYI, the matter of seven-year-old James Younger is being looked into by the Texas Attorney General's Office and the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services. They did exactly that. Those agencies did look into this and reported back to the governor uh, through Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, another Texas lawmaker, Dan uh, Crenshaw, Representative Dan Crenshaw, a freshman uh, in the Congress, tweeted about this, calling it a heartbreaking event, and it sets a horrible precedent. A seven-year-old cannot possibly make this decision or understand it. Parents should know better. I hope his father receives the public, the public support he needs, and he did. Because, again, uh, the judge in the case went ahead and said, okay, you can't do this without the father's say-so. 
Now, I'm going to pause here on the reporting of the incidents going on in the in the state of Texas and just kind of make this a more general conversation for us. Would you let your 7-year-old get a tattoo? I'm guessing the answer for 99.999% of us would be no. Why? Because children, particularly young children, are not old enough to understand the ramifications or consequences of permanently changing their body or scarring their body or inking their body or whatever. We don't let kids do that. you got to be 18 to do that. If we won't let our children choose to get tattoos because they can't make smart decisions about their body at such a young, impressionable age, how on God's green earth can it be legal in any state and any court? And how can any medical facility even consider giving hormone-blocking drugs to children to permanently change their bodies? Tattoos? No way. Chemical blockers, puberty, puberty blockers, hormone blockers, to change a child, a warped, uh, I wouldn't even say warped, it's just a normal child mind to fantasize about being very different things. Very, very normal and very, very common. But we're going to allow that, we're, we're going we're gonna to facilitate with medical procedures, medical treatments, and indulge their fantasies as kids? I made another analogy, and I'll say it here. We don't let kids under the age of 18 buy cigarettes. And in fact, in the state of Ohio, isn't like next, uh, uh, in January next year? Oh, it's right now it's 21, I'm told. I thought it was going up at the start of the year. I don't smoke, so I don't really, really, really look. Uh, Derek tells me <laughs> it's 21 right now. We won't let our teenage children make decisions on smoking because of the adverse effects it can have on the body. We can't, we won't let them do that until they're 21. We let them go to war at 18. (laughs) We let them go to war. We let them vote. But we don't let them make decisions about their bodies like, I don't know, lung cancer until they're 21. But we're going to let a 7-year-old decide he wants to be a girl, and then we're going to indulge that fantasy and give them permanent body-changing drugs? This, This doesn't make any sense at all. I borrowed an analogy from Matt Walsh, who is a uh, uh, political uh, a conservative political blogger and and uh, and I think sometime radio shows too, but I borrowed this and put it on my Facebook page yesterday. When my daughter was three, I was taking her swimming, and I and I wanted her to wear her arm floaties. She said, Daddy, Daddy, no, 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 I don't want to wear those. And I said, why? She said, Daddy, I'm a dolphin. I don't need those. But guess what? I made her put on her arm floaties anyway. And why? Because as much as she insisted she was a dolphin, I knew she wasn't. And I'm not stupid. And I'm not crazy. And I didn't indulge her fantasy to let her go to try to swim like a dolphin and watch her sink like a stone. We don't let children dictate what they are when they're having normal childhood fantasies. We don't let children make life-altering, physical, body-altering decisions on themselves because we're smarter than that. But if you say that to a little boy who says he he thinks he's a girl or wants to be a girl, 
and wants to play dress up, if you try to say no, I'm not going to let you do that, you're a transphobe. You get blocked out by a jury in making decisions about your, your, your child's well-being. I want you to ponder that for just a moment. If you use your reason and common sense to say, my kid thinks he's a shark, my kid thinks he's a dog, you ever have little kids run around on all fours barking? Do we actually um, treat them in such a manner? Do we allow them to undergo uh, any kind of radical therapies to make them actually continue to live their life in their fantasy role of a dog? No. We say, that's cute. And then we move on. And we, and we know that that phase is going to end. And that's the same exact thing that is going on here. So, border, uh, bottom line of the story here is that a jury wanted the mother to be able to torture the child. They, a judge overruled the jury, jury and says that the father now has a say in this, but the father still cannot Im, uh, get in the way of whatever the mother is doing when he's not around. The father in this case... Um, cannot stop James Younger from being put in dresses, having his nails painted, and being told, you're a girl, you're a girl, you're a girl by the mother, until Lord only knows what's going to happen where he requests having some sort of a procedure done. If you want to weigh in on that story, let me hear from you at 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945 after this. It is uh, 9.57 now, the Bob France Authority, <clears throat> continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, I want to remind you, this is a very important part of the day, uh, something we've been doing every day this month, and that is reminding you that um, it's up to us to save babies' lives. Okay? Heartbeat International is our partner agency in this effort this month. Heartbeat International does this all the time, but we are taking the month of October to raise awareness and to raise fu- uh, funds. We have to raise money for Heartbeat International to keep the option line in um, uh, good working order, to keep it staffed and to keep uh, the options available to all women who find themselves in the position of unplanned or unexpected pregnancies. Heartbeat International, the first network of pro-life pregnancy resource centers in the United States and the largest in the world. They've been doing this since 1971, saving babies' lives. They have over 2,700 affiliate locations in all six inhabited continents, and over 1,500 of those are here in the United States. So how does this work? A woman who finds herself in a very tough position, whether it was an unplanned pregnancy, an unexpected pregnancy, maybe a pregnancy born of violence against her, well, we don't know. It doesn't matter the reason. What we do need to know, though, is, is what we do need the woman to know, rather, is that there are options available to her. And if she is considering the most unthinkable of them, which is abortion, somebody needs to help her, and that's where Option Line comes in. Dial the Option Line, you talk to a counselor, you talk to a therapist, you talk to somebody who can help understand your situation and then refer you to a pregnancy resource center near you where you can learn so much more about the process and about what options are available to you rather than ending your unborn baby's life. That's what Option Line does. Now, as I said, it costs money to run the option line. It is staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They take over 30,000 calls per month. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? But it's reality. And every time a woman calls and then is referred to a resource center and then chooses to have her baby, that option line saved babies' lives. And that's why we're partnering with them. We need you to help fund the option line. 
There's a banner ad on our website right now. It's a big banner at the top. It says Option Line, uh, funded by or powered by Heartbeat International. I want you to go there, and I want you to click it. It's going to take you to a donation page. Since it is late 2019, a lot of people are looking for places to make charitable donations to help with their taxes, because those are, of course, tax-deductible in April of 2020. This is the time for you, if you are going to make charitable donations, to do this for Heartbeat International. $75 allows the answer line to be, uh, to be staffed for one hour. $75. The call center will be available to help women for an hour. $150 will keep those lines open for two hours. $450, four hours. $900 for a half day. $1,800 is what it costs to sponsor a full day of calls to the Heartbeat International Option Line. We have had people this month, especially when we had our uh, specific appeal and we had our guest in studio last Wednesday, who actually donated the full $1,800 amount. And I know not everybody can do that. I know I couldn't do that. But if you can do $75, if everybody in the sound of my voice can do 75 we will keep those Option Line phones staffed and we will save babies' lives. Remember, the government doesn't fund life-saving organizations like Heartbeat International. The government funds life-taking organizations like Planned Parenthood. So since the government won't save these babies, we have to save these babies. Go to whkradio.com. Do it right now. whkradio.com. Please put a $75 donation into this system. Save babies' lives. And thank you so very much for helping us on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.